Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm back. I don't know if anybody missed me last <laughs> last episode, but uh, I was enjoying some sh- sunshine and sunburn and a little bit of golf. Not a lot of beach. It was very windy down there, but I visited my mom in Florida. Sorry I missed an episode. Uh, Berlanski, I haven't gotten around to listen to it yet because, <sighs> admittedly, I'm also in the middle of uh, not in the middle of moving, but I'm packing things for a move. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't had time for a damn near anything. Uh, so also soon enough when it comes to the move, if this wall starts to look bare, get used to it. I don't know what my new background's going to be yet. That being hey. said, thank you to you, Berlanski, for covering an episode. Awesome stuff. And we're live. We are live on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. So make sure you check us out. On all of those sites, that is Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook, at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter, and the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on YouTube as well. And also, thank you to everybody tuning in on the podcast version. We appreciate you. Just make sure you click that download button to support us, because with your support, we keep making better content. So that's all we can ask for. But we have a pretty good show for you guys today. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the Penguins' loss to the Boston Bruins on Tuesday. It was definitely an interesting game, to say the least. Then we're also going to talk a little bit about injury updates because we do have some positive news on the injury front, which we haven't had much of this season. And then we're going to talk about the TV deal as well as shout-outs and call-outs because it is our Thursday episode, and we always love to finish our Thursday episode with a good shout-outs and call-outs. But let's start it off with a recap of that Pens-Bruins game on Tuesday. The Penguins lose by a score of 3-1. to one. Of course, Tuesday was the first day that they had an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot. They did not get any closer than they were at the start of the day. But, Horwat, what did you think overall of the game before we get down into the nuts and bolts of it? Oh, overall, dear God, I don't want to play the Bruins in the playoffs. It, it I think, would be the most disappointing thing because... We look so good and full of firepower this season, mm-hmm. but almost always there is something about the Boston Bruins that just sucks that energy out of us. I get, you know, 
We've had them at home for a while. But it's still one of those games where you look at and think, yeah, we have a great home record against them, but, mm, I mean, come on, it's still this team. It is still the Boston Bruins. It is still Mm -hmm. a team that is going to give us some sort of issues, be very much like a very pesty, if you will, very a lot of pests on that team is what I'm getting at. (laughs) It's a team you don't want to play, especially not in a seven-game series because all of that just amps up come playoff time. Um, that's my takeaway from the game. No matter how good or bad we play against them, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't. It sucks to say because we might have to, mm-hmm. one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but either way, I mean, even if we do uh, have to play in the playoffs, I'll still be confident. I'll still be into it no matter what. But it's just a matter of you look at certain teams and you say, I'd rather play one team over another. I think despite Boston's record this year, they might be the hardest challenge for the Penguins in the playoffs. These are discussions that many have been having and will probably continue to have for the next two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. Almost a singular week, actually. But the Penguins also have that extra week after they're finished up with their schedule because of the Vancouver makeup games. Ah. But they're going to have some time off there, which is actually going to help them when it comes to getting somebody like Brandon Tanev back, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the Penguins-Bruins game, it started off very different than the Sunday game went and you knew that it was not going to finish at a one to nothing pace even though it was scoreless after one the Bruins pushed really hard out of the gate especially that perfection line of Bergeron Marchand and Pasternak they had several chances in the first five minutes but luckily for the Penguins Tristan Jari was ready at the beginning of the game and he was able to stand tall on those opportunities the Penguins were able to push back towards the end of the first period and really that first period of play was an extremely good hockey period for anybody that really likes to watch the game be played the right way. That was playoff hockey and peak performances from both sides and also peak goaltending from Tristan Jari on one end and from Tuka Rask on the other. So it was a really good start for both teams in that instance. Uh, you're totally right. And if you have the comments up, I just I want to point at this one because stop calling it the perfection line. I will. I never have called it the perfection line, guys. I hate that name. Um, but no, it is their nickname, if you will. But mm. um, How about yeah. this? We'll just refer to it as the Bergeron line from now on for our friends at the Short Shift Podcast. That's all it should be. I mean, I talked before about how the Bruins always seemed like a one-line team. That line in particular was the one line. They added Taylor Hall, who I'm not going to say was invisible, but I didn't. I don't know how much he's actually done in Boston, except for the two games, and except for his, like, his first two games there. Um, I don't know how loud and how much noise he actually made up until that nice goal uh, in garbage time, by the way, uh, against the Penguins on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, thank you. So, I mean, maybe Taylor Hall's washed. Maybe he's not. I don't know yet exactly with Taylor Hall, but they yeah. turned into a three-line and one player team that for some reason just gives us headaches. Also Trent Frederick is want to talk about pests. Yeah, they definitely seem to be able to find those pests wherever they may lie. But as far as Taylor Hall is concerned, he's had a pretty good start with Boston. I mean, he only scored two goals with the Buffalo Sabres all year and he already has four and nine games with the Boston Bruins. So he's definitely playing a little bit better in Boston, but as far as the game was concerned, yeah, Boston had their pests, and they had some trouble in that first period staying out of the penalty box, which is why the Penguins had a 3-0 lead in penalties. 
on the, on the game, but the Penguins are unfortunately not able to capitalize. <laughs> Their power play was able to have some pretty decent puck possession and pretty good puck movement. Just weren't able to beat Tuka Rask, who was on from basically the jump on this game. So after a first period that was pretty good hockey, no scores, let's get into what happened in the second period. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the officiating. Because... It's something that bothered me, and yes, it's going to come off as I'm just upset that it got called on the Penguins, but to be completely honest, and it's going to sound really weird, I think NHL officials need to stop calling it even. Don't call games even, because that's what happens when you have, we're going to miss this call because they're already up 3-0 in penalties, and then we're going to call this one so we can try to even it up. Don't call the game even. Call the game as it happens. And I was listening to, actually, the Locked On Penguins podcast with Hunter Hodes, who we had on a couple weeks ago, and he said, look at football. There's sometimes where there's a team that has 15 penalties to another team having two. That's because the one team took that many penalties and the other team didn't. Call it as it happens. Don't try to sit there and try to call it even. And, of course, the reason I'm mentioning this is because you had the missed call on Jake Gensel getting boarded from behind. You had the missed call on Teddy Bluger getting tripped. And then you call Evan Rodriguez on shoving a guy in the shoulder, which was a weak call. Yes, I, I guess you can call it. And if I'm saying call it as it happens, that would count. But then if you're doing that, you, you should call the other two. It's just something that we've talked about a lot, mm -hmm. Horwat. Not just with officiating, just discipline as a whole in the NHL. From the player safety group, we've talked about it. I've backed Tom Wilson this season on how crappy the NHL player safety has treated him, just basically giving him a suspension for being Tom Wilson. So from the player safety group, the whole way down through the on-ice officials, the disciplinary actions and the discipline of this league to players that make mistakes is just so unbalanced and so unbelievably awful. Yeah, and it's not only that. It's not only that we're discussing it because we see it happening, but let's be honest, we're also having a longer discussion on it because the Tim Peel thing happened this year. Yeah. If that didn't happen this year, I doubt we're really going into detail on this. I bet we're just saying, man, it'd be nice if the uh, officiating was a little more even. And yeah. we'd kind of move on. Maybe it would be a call out because it always is. But, but because that Tim Peel thing happened and we are kind of aware that now, like officially at least, now we know for sure mm -hmm. uh, that referees are looking for even up calls or, you know, not calling it completely on the line. We're aware of it now, so now we are going to talk about it whenever it's a little more blatantly obvious. Time is not going to heal this wound, apparently. Yeah. We are going to continue to bring it up and say, hey, you had a guy literally say on mic, whether it was supposed to be on mic or not. He it was said not. He was just, <laughs> yeah. He was caught in the act, and now it, we're seeing it. We know that it happens, and now we're looking for it more, almost. We're yeah. aware of it. And now we're noticing every missed call or what looks to be an even up. It sucks for the game and you want it to be a little more even because that's ideally how it should be. You just want every call that is a penalty to get called. Um, but let's be frank, that's just not going to happen. Even in the best of circumstances, like humans are humans are going to miss things. Uh, the blatantly obvious ones, though, you want to get, and it's just a hard yeah. situation. I think we said this last, like when we discussed the Tim Peel thing, it's a hard situation. Mm -hmm. And as for the officiating, you want it to be even, but it's just not going to happen, man. Yeah, that's why I'm saying don't try to sit there and call it even because that's when you have these blatantly awful 
calls and then the blatant missed calls. Just call it as it happens. And yes, I understand that sometimes that's going to affect the game as well because that's going to put one team on the power play so many times. But hey, that other team shouldn't be taking the penalties then. And I'm yeah. that that's just the way that I see it in there. And I don't think we should spend too much more time on the NHL officiating because it's not going to change it. It's going to be like screaming into a deep void of space. But yelling into the void, yeah. Exactly. So from that point on, l- luckily the Bruins didn't score on that power play, which kind of just makes it null and void as far as the game is concerned. It's just something that was annoying to me. But immediately following the power play, David Krejci turns back the clock, completely dances around Mike Matheson, and backhands a shot past Tristan Jari, who did misplay the puck. And in a game like this, where it's sort of like a playoff game, where the guy on the other end, Tuka Rask, is standing on his head and playing as Tuka Rask does, if you make a mistake, it's going to cost you. And that's what happened in this game. And that's why the Penguins were down one to nothing going into the third period. Yeah, not ideal. Uh, David Krejci's one of those guys that he could definitely be a contributor on making the Bruins a multiple-line team. In fact, he has been forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know when you think of the Boston Bruins, he's not the first guy you're thinking of. I mean, no. Sh- in some cases, he almost is because uh, maybe you're a little hipster. You don't like thinking of the main guys. <laughs> um, but he's an important piece to that team, always has been. And... He's a player that, again, like I said, you don't always think of him right away, but, boy, you would love to have him on your team. Yeah. He's such a skilled player. I don't – has he just had a down year, or is there something up? Or I think I he's just – his situation now? I think he's just getting old. Yeah. I mean, he I has mean, seven goals, but remember the last time Boston came and played in Pittsburgh and he scored, it was only his second goal. So he's yeah. definitely you know, picked it up the last couple of weeks, which everybody on the Bruins really has, and they've started to play extremely well. Since the deadline, I believe they're 6-2. and two or seven and two and something like that. And they've played themselves into contention with the other three teams in the East. So they're yeah, playing so, really good hockey. Yeah. I mean, David Krejci himself he was drafted in 2004. Yeah. Let's put that into perspective. So he, he turned 35 today. Happy birthday, David Krejci. Um, seven goals this year in 44 games, 25 assists though, which is nothing to scoff at in a season. No, like not this. at all. So he's still yeah. got um, a good playmaking ability. Yeah, he's just, he's such a phenomenal player. He's, wow, he's led the league in plus-minus twice. So, he's I mean, that's best. a stat. Yeah, and he's at 955 career games. So, yeah, there's a reason why he's played that many games. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he might hit 1,000 in the coming seasons. It's because he's got this skill that it's very, it's very underrated, and he's a guy to really keep an eye on. And... Yeah, I mean, you just when you dance Matheson like that, nothing much you can do. If you're Mike Matheson, you could have taken the body there, but by the time he had even had the chance to put his foot in the ground, Krejci was already past him, and Jari was slow to react and get in a position, and that's what happens. You give up a goal in, in that game when it's 0-0 zero to zero for as long as it is, and then you give up that goal. That makes it a little bit tougher. So going into the third period, the Penguins were trailing. Boston coming into that third period – had a really good record when leading in the third period. The Penguins, on the other hand, they were like 4-10-2, so that's not awful. I mean, considering the fact that you're coming into the third period trailing and some of the times the Penguins come back from multiple goal deficits this season, you didn't think they were out of it until you continued to watch the way that they played in the third period and the way that Boston just completely shut them down. I mean, to be completely honest, 
What the Penguins did to Boston on Sunday, Boston turned around and did to Pittsburgh on Tuesday. They shut them down, did not let them anywhere near Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask was able to just swallow pucks. Very little rebounds, very little deflections on Tuka Rask to even begin with from the Penguins because they couldn't get to the center of the ice. And the Bruins did a really good job because they bided their time until Pittsburgh made another mistake. And then there's the Bergeron line again being able to capitalize and make it 2 to nothing. And at that point, it was pretty hard to see the Penguins coming back and scoring two goals on that Boston team yesterday. It, it was almost shades of 2013, but I don't really want to say that because the Penguins were able to get scoring opportunities. They were able to almost score. It's just Tuka Rask was that much better. But it, it did feel like shades of 2013, considering the fact that the Penguins were only able to muster two goals in two games against the Bruins on home ice. Thankfully, one of them was a win for what it's worth. But Tuka Rask is really... Oh, he might he might make the make or break the uh, Bruins in the playoffs because he's had I think he's had such a weird couple of seasons when it comes to his yeah um, consistency in playing, let alone being good. He's such a, he's a goalie that I mean we get goalies are weird. I think Tuukka Rask is setting the standard for weird goalies this in this generation because. Yeah. <laughs> every other week, every other year, there's something th weird that just happens. And I don't know what his situation is this year. I mean, he wasn't even a backup option in the Sunday game, and then here he is Tuesday starting. We and playing well. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. I mean, we were against that kid from Alaska on Sunday. Yeah. A Swayman? Was that his name? Yep. Um. Didn't even get the face of Ladar. Again. Yeah, the goaltending depth of the Bruins is apparently stellar. Something to behold. If we're learning of two two new goalies this year. Um, yeah, so oh, what an interesting player Tuka Rask is. But I think if he is on, that team is on and should be you know, near the top of the standings where everyone had them. Yeah. But he has been himself, so they are, you know, I mean, they're not. They're gonna make the playoffs. It's not mm -hmm. a barely situation anymore, which kind of sucks. But um, I know you've been pulling for that for the past couple of weeks, trying to get the Bruins to fall out and the Rangers to jump uh, in. But it was so much fun. It, we'll I'll talk about that a little bit later. It's gonna be a tough road for the Rangers even to sniff the playoffs. Yeah, but as for Tukaraska, he's gonna make or break that team come postseason time. Mm -hmm. You gotta hope he's playing and playing well because. I mean, do you want Halak and Swayman, or even worse, uh, a Swayman-Vladar duo? Yeah. I don't know. That won't get you far. The Boston Bruins, I feel like you're starting to figure it out, which is scary because that means basically all four teams in the East have figured out the way that they need to play in the playoffs, and that's just going to make for an interesting first couple of rounds, and whoever gets out of there is definitely going to be battle-tested, to say the least. But to continue with this game, at the point of 2 to nothing in the third period, it was kind of hard to believe that the Penguins were going to be able to muster a comeback unless they drastically changed the way that they were approaching that game. And unfortunately, it continued as Taylor Hall was able to dance in and send an absolute rocket past Tristan Jari to make it 3 nothing. And I even tweeted that on the Iceberg Podcast account. Once we got down 3 to nothing, I said, that one, not that it wasn't already over, but that one should be the nail in the coffin. It's going to be very hard for the Penguins to even be able to sniff a pity point in this game and obviously that was correct Jeff Carter able to put a beautiful goal in his third is a Pittsburgh Penguin with about two minutes left to give 
some semblance of life, but the Pittsburgh Penguins in all reality had no life left at the end of that game. It's one loss. You don't want to take it too much into consideration with it. The Penguins did keep their magic number at four, which is where it was at the beginning of the day and where it still stands today. But it's a loss. You ended up splitting a series against the Boston Bruins, which is basically the best that you're going to ask for this season when it comes to this matchup. Again, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season we split with the Bruins, hell yeah, I'm taking that every day of the week. Well, I mean, we didn't split the season series. We were 3-4-1. and one. I would have taken that, I think. I mean, <laughs> A win in TD on, Garden, we would have taken. Yeah, depending on how we did every, with, against everyone else, I think I would have taken that. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, can we talk about just the fo- cult following Jeff Carter has gotten in Pittsburgh? It is not even a joke anymore it is really starting it's, to gain steam here and it's people are loving jeff carter and it's great it's wild i mean if if anyone remembers the live of us um when that trade happened i think we all kind of had a moment of why and and why but here we are with oh he's on this team and he's really good so yeah because i can remember listening to radio the next day and there was always all these questions for the penguin writers so is this a Patrick Marlowe situation, or is it... No, it is not. This guy is five yeah. years younger, and he's five times better, mm-hmm. and he's going to produce, and he's already proved to be producing, and he's already played... Has he already played in more games than Marlowe did? I don't know. Has he played more than eight games? That's something that we'll have to look up. If you want to look that up really quickly, I'll, I'll, I don't think we played. I'll eat crow really quickly. Um, I also did... It was the lazy comparison to make, and I did yeah, do that it. when we were talking. It was the lazy comparison. Okay, an older guy brought in for draft picks. Yeah, I, I did make the comparison. I said it kind of seems like the Patrick Marlowe thing. I didn't immediately point it out as this is the same thing, but I said it, it kind of seems the same way, and I was completely wrong, and I'm eating crow on that, and I'm very happy to because right now Jeff Carter is the Penguins' second-line center, and he's playing extremely well with Jared McCann and Jason Zucker. Now, in practice, they did switch the lines up, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But whenever Evgeny Malkin comes back, which could be in the near future, Jeff Carter's going to be a really good option for third-line center. Jeff Carter's played in eight games, exactly, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. (laughs) How about that? And has doubled up Marlowe's point total. He's got four, three goals, and an assist. So he's already made more of a mark in the same amount of games. I mean, we're, we're yet to see what... Um, Carter's first three, right? Four playoff games look like. Yes. But if he can get, I don't think Marlowe put, I think Marlowe Marlo didn't get a point in the playoffs. He yeah. He, d- minus, he didn't get a point. I don't even think he got a penalty minute. Because <laughs> that whole least, line was, wow. I just kicked my desk, but that whole line was basically dormant, but we don't need to relive that. If you want to, if you want to make it sound really weird, that might be the, the Penguins might be the last team Marlowe ever played a postseason game with. That's very sad, but um, let's continue to a topic that I talked about on Monday's episode, but I want to get your take on it because it continued into Tuesday's game. Mike Sullivan continues to match up Sidney Crosby with the Patrice Bergeron line, and we actually have a comment here that came in a little earlier from the cynical Vixen. He said they still drive Sid Mm -hmm. and Letang, especially Letang, off their games and make them emotionally unstable, which I do not disagree with one bit. I think that is... Especially Latang, that is especially correct. And yes. the thing with this is, when asked about it on Sunday, after a win, when asked about it, Mike Sullivan said, I trust Sid to match up with anybody in the NHL. That's a very good political answer. 
But I feel like for some reason, it feels like Mike Sullivan is self-conscious when he plays his former team. Mike Sullivan has preached this breed of we're going to roll four lines. We're going to beat you with our depth. We're going to beat you with our speed. Every line is able to score. Yet when they go up against the Boston Bruins, he doesn't trust his shutdown line of Teddy Bluger, Zach Aston Reese, and guy on the right side. Basically, anybody has worked this season, whether that be Evan Rodriguez, Brandon Tanev, if all things are going well, or even Kasperi Kapan in these last couple games. But it seems like Mike Sullivan, whenever he goes up against the Boston Bruins, just has this self-conscious feeling that he needs to rely on Sidney Crosby more to shut down the Bergeron line. And the sad thing is, the Bergeron line shuts down the Crosby line and then still has their way in the offensive zone. Yeah, that's a, it's a very hard situation. I mean, I when you think about it, it makes sense. You want it's your one line against the one line. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's first group versus first group. That's kind of the way. Um, on paper, it lines up. But then you do dig into it a little when you realize uh, Latang goes a little... He, he goes a little berserk when he has to play against Marshawn. Let's be honest. That's just the way it is. Those two are on each other's asses all night, every night they play against each other. And then there's Crosby, which is weird. We, every time we play the Bruins, I always think about how he's basically best friends with Marshawn and... Uh, McKinnon. Uh, no, the other Bruin. Bergeron. Bergeron, thank you. I always forget Bergeron's name. He's basically best friends with those two. So seeing them go head-to-head, it's weird because you want your star player to really be rivals with this team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then but it's like when he goes against Giroux, he steps it up a notch because he yeah. doesn't like him. Quote, I don't like him. But when it's his two buddies that he's won gold medals with, it's uh, whatever. Cool, for good for them. No, I mean, I, it's not necessarily always like that because it is Sidney Crosby. He does still always want to win, but you, you'll feel it's a little different whenever the numbers look different and against those when the Penguins play those two teams. Listen, I don't think it has anything to do with Crosby's will to beat or pummel his opponent to the ground. I think that's pretty much right uniform across the entire league, all other 30 teams. I think it might be more the fact that he's playing against a perennial Selkie candidate, four-time Selkie winner, that just has his number. Because Sidney Crosby does not have issues going up against Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby does not have issues going up against Claude Giroux for the most point. He doesn't have issues when he gets matched up with whatever Ovechkin line is out there. The problem is, Patrice Bergeron is his Achilles heel. Even Superman has kryptonite and... Sidney Crosby's kryptonite just happens to be Patrice Bergeron, a hockey hall of famer. So it's not like it's a bad kryptonite to have. And then also you look at the fact that they have David Pasternak, who is one rocket Richards and he is one of the top scorers in the league. And Brad Marchand, a guy who, as much as you hate to say it, he's a hockey hall of famer in the making. We'll see about that one. But here's what's interesting. He too. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Mike Sullivan's first coaching gig was with Boston, obviously, in the uh, 2003-2004 season. That mm-hmm. was Brad Marchand's rookie year. Like yeah. Brad Mar- Patrice Bergeron's rookie year. Time out. I get him confused. Patrice Bergeron's rookie year. Then there was the lockout in 04-05. And then the following season, Mike Sullivan's second and final season with the uh, Boston Bruins, um, Patrice Bergeron led the team in points mm-hmm. with 73. So... Uh, Sullivan, yeah, you're right. He definitely does have some weird affliction with playing against this team. I mean, 
some of the names on this Bruins roster that were <laughs> they're wild. Bergeron, yeah. Glenn Murray, Marco Sturm, Joe Marcus Thornton, Sturm. Captain Joe Thornton, uh, Brian Leach. Did you remember he was a Bruin? Yes. That's, yep. How Gill? I mean, it's he coached a hell of a team there, and it's obviously vastly. And it didn't go well. <laughs> it did not go well. Yeah, fifth in the Northeast, and what was his first one? Oh, first in the Northeast. Well, his second season didn't go well. But, yeah, it, it's a weird thing that Sullivan has against the Bruins. And, it, like I said, it feels like he's self-conscious and he just needs to put that top line out there. I doubt that that's it. I, I don't think that Mike Sullivan has an issue being self-conscious against any team. He has two Stanley Cup rings to say otherwise. But yeah, it, it, it's just a weird thing that he continues to match this these lines up especially when he has home ice advantage and when he has last change and he continues to throw the Crosby line out there even though the numbers state that they're getting absolutely pounded into the ground it could just be that you know maybe he's reading a little too much into how good that line is galaxy branding it yeah just thinking too much you're doing too much trust that maybe the Bluger line can get it done out there Mm -hmm. fully healthy trust that maybe Gino whenever he's back can go out there and Oh my God! I have we ever seen him and Marshawn go at it? I would have to imagine so. Oh, I would have to imagine this happened at some point too, but I don't remember it because it's always Latang, the two <laughs> French Canadian kids. I want to see Malkin and Marshawn go at it. I'm sure they have at some point, but yeah. I mean, you gotta hope if we play them in the playoffs that that kind of becomes a little more flexible. Just yeah, adjust to a way that you just feel more flexible with it. You can't, you don't have to just play Crosby with him. Like I said, give Malkin that shots. Let Marshawn get under Malkin's skin for a second. And hopefully Malkin has one of those days where he gets back so quickly. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting matchup if it does happen in the playoffs, but let's round out the conversation with the Boston game. Of course, the Penguins lose three to one. Let's round out the conversation saying, Horwat, are you confident that this team, this Penguins team, could win a best-of-seven series against Boston? It might go seven. But, yeah, I feel I feel more confident than unconfident. How about that? I'm definitely on the fence about it, but I definitely feel like, yeah, we could do it. In seven games, us as the home team, playoff situation, yeah. we can buck this trend against this team. It's – I'm not, like – outright like I would be against any of the other three teams going in, or the other two two teams going into the playoffs like yeah we got them easy let's do this let's, let's give them to me no I'm more of a we can do it might mm-hmm. take a while might take a learning game or two but we can figure it out those learning games got to come quickly though I think the big thing you mentioned there is home ice advantage the Penguins need to be playing those games if they have to play Boston at PPG Paints Arena as much as possible because you're gonna have to steal one at TD Garden in that series to be able to win but at the same time you're gonna have to win a lot of your games at home and it's gonna be a tough series am i confident they can yes simply because of the fact of some of the things that i saw on tuesday and i agree boston has been the team's boogeyman forever it's Mm -hmm. like the one team that Sidney crosby is yet to be able to have success in the playoffs against have major success altogether against and the thing with boston is while they did have a pretty dominant game on Tuesday against the Penguins, the Penguins were in it the entire time. And the Penguins did have their opportunities. They just weren't able to capitalize. I mean, the Jason Zucker, Jeff Carter, and 
Jared McCann line had a pretty decent game. The Bluger line didn't really have too many chances. And the fourth line was the fourth line. It's going to get better whenever the fact that they're basically going to be taken completely out of the game once the Penguins get Malkin back, which is coming up, and Freddie Gaudreau back, which is coming up. And with that, let's get to that right now because there are some pretty good injury updates that we got from the Pittsburgh Penguins on Wednesday. For one, they held a full practice on Tuesday morning prior to the game, which was something different. You have to imagine that a big reason for that is to get Evgeny Malkin some more practice time with the team. And that's huge for for him and for Freddie Gaudreau, who's working his way back as well. Evgeny Malkin skated with full contact on Wednesday, which everybody knows is a massive step forward to getting back to playing with the team in game action. He's possibly going to return in the next series against Washington. I do still feel like it's highly unlikely that he plays Thursday night simply because, I mean, he was in the fifth line for line rushes. He wasn't even in the main line rushes. I think they're going to wait until Saturday to to bring Malkin back. But on the bright side, Freddie Gaudreau looks like he's probably going to draw into the matchup on Thursday against the Washington Capitals, bumping Mark Jankowski out of the lineup, which is going to be to me, a welcome addition because as much as Jankowski was playing pretty decently there before he started getting healthy scratched about a month ago, since coming back into the lineup, he hasn't really done anything. And with Freddie Gaudreau and Evan Rodriguez on the same line, I think that's something that could spark some scoring in that bottom line for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that'll help as well. Brandon Tanev is still skating, but it is with no contact. So some pretty good news on the injury front for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And before I have your opinions on all of this, I do want to read down the Penguins line rushes from Wednesday's practice. Gensel Crosby rush stayed together, which is obvious. McCann and Carter were now joined by Kapanen. Zucker was dropped down to the third line. And Zucker's been playing really well, but he just hasn't been able to finish. And if you put somebody like Kapanen up on that second line with the way that they have been, I think that's going to make that second line so much better. And I think Zucker playing with guys like Aston Reese and Bluger, which is where he was in practice, it's going to help him slow the game down a little bit more. And with that might come his hands and might come his finishing ability because he is all the way around scoring a goal, just not able to put one in the back of the net. And then, as I mentioned, Goudreau practiced on the fourth line with Rodriguez and Sevier. So that's your line rushes from Wednesday, something that we'll probably end up seeing come Thursday night in Washington. Yeah. You want to hear some fun Jankowski stats since he uh, since he came back into the lineup? Yes, let's hear them. In how many games is it? Since all right, we'll just go since April fifteenth because that's when he came back. Zero goals, zero assists, or zero points. Remember how I said Marlowe just skated in the playoffs? Mark Jankowski is just skating. He has gotten two penalty minutes in that time, and has taken one shot. One shot on goal since April 15th. Two weeks. He is skating out there. I get he's averaging seven minutes. Yeah. A little over. Like in between seven and eight. But boy, you wanna do you wanna make it in this league? <laughs> Take advantage of that. At least shoot the puck. I mean, I don't know the Corsi numbers on this. I don't know where his where the zone start is. I don't know who has the puck when he gets on the ice. His face-off numbers were on there. I didn't look at him. I stopped whenever I saw he had one shot in that time. Yeah. In the NHL, you have to do something to make it. Teddy Bluger is a surefire NHLer, correct? Yes. You know what he did last night that made me really solidify the whole protect him? He got in a fight. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't much of a fight, but he got into a little... little, He drew blood. A little kerfuffle. He did draw blood. He looked good. Jankowski, do something like that, like... 
prove that you want to be in this league. I mean, guys that are in this league and won't see the minors ever again, probably, like Teddy Bluger, are still doing things that really put the sign on, like, hey, I deserve to be on this team. Jankowski's not doing that in any way, shape, or form. He's going out there and looking like me, looking like me and just skating. Mm-hmm. I could play those numbers. I could do that. I don't know how many shots he's blocked. I don't think I could do that. But, like, <laughs> from what it looks, he he's collected one penalty in two weeks. I hate that I have to just absolutely blow up an NHL player like this because, you know, who am I behind a microphone? But, dude, you're not doing that great. Yeah, do something he, with these opportunities you have. You're blessed enough to have the skill to be on an NHL contract. Utilize it. Yeah. And the thing is that you're mentioning there, do something to have somebody say your name. Other than the yeah. fact that he did nothing. Because we're looking after two weeks and saying he did nothing. So basically, for two weeks, we completely ignored his existence, even though he played in every single game for the Penguins. And after two weeks, we looked back at it. Because, why? Because he got taken out of the lineup for Freddie Goudreau. Because if you don't have your name said then the next guy up is going to take your spot. And that's what Freddie Gaudreau is getting ready to do if he is healthy enough to go on Thursday against the Washington Capitals, as I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, he's blocked he's blocked a couple shots since then, so that's good. He's doing something on the ice. I mean, he is yeah. on a defensive line, so it's good he's getting at least a block a game in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still. Oh, not even. Sorry. That's two blocks. I was looking at hits. Ugh. Yeah, it, I was so confident in him at the beginning of the season. Once he scored that goal in Philadelphia? Even a little bit before then, I figured, yeah. you know, it's a, it's something new. Change Maybe we pace. can revitalize his career. Oy vey. Yeah. So let's go over the playoff clinching scenarios before we go to break and come back and talk a little bit about the Turner media deal. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, as I mentioned earlier, the magic number is still at four, which is two wins if you want to make it really simple. they got to win two out of the last... Six games. That's the simple way. The Philadelphia Flyers cannot catch the Pittsburgh Penguins anymore. They're officially not able to be a team that knocks the Penguins out. It's just the New York Rangers. So either the Penguins need to win two games, the Rangers need to lose two games in regulation, or one or the one of each, to be completely honest, which lends itself to the fact that maybe Thursday is a day that the Pittsburgh Penguins can clinch their 15th straight postseason because, of course, the Penguins going in to play the Washington Capitals. A win there plus a loss for the New York Rangers in regulation against the New York Islanders would do it. But here's the thing for the Rangers. They're not... They have to win four of their last six. No, five of their last six. I'm sorry. And they play the Islanders, the Capitals, and the Bruins. Mm. Two games each. Mm. So they have to win five of six to be able to take the Penguins out at the very least. So that's tough sledding. For the Rangers. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, yes, it looks like you're pretty much getting ready to, to seal it up, especially considering you need two wins and you still have two games against the Buffalo Sabres at the end of the season. But at the same time, let's not let it get to that point and let's just close it down by the end of this weekend. Yeah, let's just lock it in, shut it down, um, and be confident in our spot. Oh, man, the Rangers are such a disappointing. So they have, they have the biggest goal differential in the division, and they're not going to make it. It's not disappointing because I don't think that's a team that was expected to make the playoffs by pretty much anybody because the Rangers were looked at as the sixth-best team at the beginning of this season, and they did jump the Flyers, and they are playing probably some of the best hockey in the division right now. So it's just a matter of they weren't able to put it all together. 
They missed some guys due to injury. Lafreniere took some time to get his feet under him. Artemi Panarin missed some time with a Russian mob hit out on his head. So it was a weird season for the Rangers, but it was a season that is definitely a step forward for them. Let's just hope they lose on uh, Thursday and the Penguins win. That way we can just clinch the playoff spot and worry about home ice advantage for the rest of the season. Yeah, that'd be nice. Let's just win. Let's just get in. Let's make it easy. Let's calm down. Yes. Breathe a little. Not be so worried about everything, but ooh. yeah, hope for the best on that. Rangers got a hell of a future, though. I'm scared of that team in a couple of years. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL's new TV deal with Turner Media. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, Season 2, Episode forty. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horowat. We talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Penguins and where they sit currently in the first segment. I hope everybody enjoyed that segment a little bit longer just because Horowat, I miss talking to you. It's been a while since we've been able to sit down and talk some current Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Of course, we did sit down for a special hockey podcast network presentation with Brian Metzer. More news on that to come out in the following weeks, but it is going to be a very fun little special presentation for everybody. I hope you tune in whenever that comes out. Just keep your eyes peeled to the Iceberg Podcast Twitter for more news on that. But let's talk a little bit about the NHL's new TV deal. It broke on Monday, and it was with Turner. And the question is now, NBC is gone. For the first time since 2005-2006, NBC will not be carrying NHL games. Horwat, is this a positive for you, a negative for you? What do you think when you hear that? Okay, so overall, it's not necessarily a positive, but I'm fine with it, man. NBC has had the NHL for how many years now, and they've failed to really give it the push it deserves. Yeah. And I don't want this to turn into the whole like-my-sports situation, but, I mean, they lowballed them, even. Mm -hmm. NBC lowballed the NHL and saying, here's the amount of money we're willing to give you, and it's like half what they're paying now. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get you're getting rid of NBCSN and you'd only be able to do national games in the second half of the season. But no, the NHL has bigger and better things in mind coming out of a pandemic, no less. Yeah. Um, I think it's a net positive in the grand scheme of things that we're dropping NHL be- or N- NBC because they're dropping their sports network, I think. Right? Is that still official? NBC, like, I believe, is still dropping NBCSN. Yeah, so in the grand scheme of things, it makes sense because they, the NHL wasn't going to get the time it deserved on the platform. It already really hasn't. And just, yeah, I, NBC's got other things to worry about, it seems, it, with the NFL package that they just re-upped there. And I think for, I mean, TNT's a new one, or Turner Sports, I should say. Which is TNT, TBS, and who? What's the big one? TNT, TBS, and HBO Max is also involved in there as well. Huh. So, so here, let me let me pull this up really yeah. quickly because it'll make it a little easier. And I have a, a nice chart here that makes it kind of lays out all of the deals that the NHL has made right now for their TV. And give me one more second. It should be popping up here. And right there, thanks to Puck Report on... Instagram, they have this really nice new media rights deals. If you look down at the bottom, it shows what NBC was paying 
yearly and what they were bringing to the table, which was, of course, a little bit of Disney streaming with ESPN+. Plus. Now, of course, ESPN is going to continue that deal considering they now own most of the TV rights, at least the A part of the deal. So, of course, the Stanley Cup finals are split between ESPN and Turner. And then the same thing in the second line there, conference final series on each network, half of the first two playoff rounds per year on each network. Now it gets a little bit different when you go to 25 regular season games per year on ABC or ESPN. That's nationally televised. 72 on TBS or TNT, which is the B program. 75 national games per season exclusively on Hulu and ESPN Plus with, get this, 1,100 plus out-of-market games on ESPN Plus. So you have now ESPN Plus, Hulu, and HBO Max where you're going to be able to watch out-of-market games. That is huge for the NHL in my opinion because now they're getting a little bit easier to watch. And that's the big problem with the NHL is if you want to watch a team that's out of your market, it's pretty difficult to watch it unless you want to go find a stream. This is going to make it a little bit easier if you want to go watch, say, Quinton Byfield, who's having his NHL debut as we're getting ready to close out this show. This season, it's a little bit more difficult to find that. Next season, it'll probably be on one of these streaming sites. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's incredible stuff in general, especially considering, I think it was the Steve Dangle podcast, they went over how important this is for the game of hockey. And then also, I mean, this is a huge number. Like, these are big numbers we're talking about. Yeah. Doesn't even pale in comparison to what NFL is getting. Well, yes. But this is incredible stuff in general. I mean, splitting it between two new people entirely, it's... It's not that it, this will look like a new sport, but it's a, it feels like a fresh start almost. You know? I mean, I missed what you said there because you were still muted, but it feels like a fresh start. I just said it really does feel like that. Yeah. So, it's... Yeah, for the first time since the lockout, we might get some, some real push from ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, Turner's going to be fun, I think. I mean... Yeah. The main channel seems to be TBS or TNT, but yeah, there's the HBO Max stuff. But when it comes to like how ESPN, the main stuff might be on ABC, like the main Big Four channel, that's a little interesting. But I kind of like that. And what what needs to happen now, if you really want to grow the game and make it entertaining, I know you kind of scoffed at it when I said this the first time, and and slapping Stephen A. Smith to it. <laughs> Not, I'm not saying slap Shaq and. Charles onto this, but find like the NHL equivalents of these guys. Don't do that because we already know what it is. It's Barry Melrose. I don't, I don't like Barry Melrose. All right, all right, right, right. we'll take it off Barry Melrose. Let's look at that uh, NBA on TNT desk. You know, three former pros, two of them that are very good friends, clearly, but love to do their little arguing, and an expert. Who is that right now for the NHL? Because, do we know? Not really. Their hockey players' personalities kind of suck. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. That's, that's if, pretty fair. But if you get some fun guys, like Kevin Bieksa has really grown into be uh, a very good uh, journalist slash uh, commentator. Personality. Personality, thank you. Um, up north. So maybe you get, maybe you fi- even find for, because it's three pros and an expert or, yeah, three former players and an expert, maybe you get an American, a Canadian, and a European. All that ha- The Europeans have great personalities in hockey. Listen, this might be shut down very quickly, 
you need an American and a Canadian that have personality that are best friends that can rib each other really well. Is Paul Bissonnette and Ryan Whitney not somebody that I would reach out to? I'm See, not sure if they'd be interested, but that are, kind of fits a, the mold there. Those are the kind of guys you're looking for too. I mean, yeah, you want the stars as well. I mean, Charles and Shaq were two of the biggest names of their time. But, I mean, I mean, Sir Charles Barkley has hosted SNL, for God's sakes. Well, yes, but... Multiple it, times. So, unless you want to... I mean, I think Wayne Gretzky is the only NHL player to host SNL, so... Yeah. Here's the big number that... The big thing that, before I take this down, the big thing I want to point out is, look at the numbers on the previous deal. 10 years, $200 million per. The B deal is worth more than that. Mm-hmm. At seven years, 225. And then, of course, ESPN throwing in seven years at 420. It's big for the NHL because people are investing in it, which means they have done a good job the past couple of years to garner the eyes of people like ESPN and Turner that are able to outbid NBC. And unfortunately, yes, Doc left last year, which kind of left their product needing something to be desired. And now they're going to lose it all together. But at the same time, it's a new era for the NHL. I know people are a little skeptical about ESPN because of the way they've treated the NHL as kind of like a ugly redheaded stepchild to the professional sports in the United States, but we'll see now they weren't paying for it. They had to pay to get highlight packs. So now that they actually have invested some money in it, let's see what they actually go out and do with it. This can't be a bad thing. I mean, if you really think about it, you're still going to get your local games locally. Yeah. Don't worry. You're still going to be watching the penguins on AT&T Sportsnet. Still going to hear Steve Mears. That's not going anywhere. This is just the national brand. This is where you're going to find, you know, for the everyday hockey fan, this is where you're going to find your highlights. This is where you're going to find the commentaries. where you're going to find the big games. This is where you're going to be watching the playoffs, and that's about it. Like I said, the everyday hockey fan, this is not that much different for you. Guys like us, this is awesome because we're seeing the national brand grow a lot. We're seeing the amount of money being put into it. Um, again, highlights, you know, big games, all easy to get. That's cool draft stuff i mean or was that on nhl network which by the way can draft go stuff. under any day <laughs> no you're, offense you're not a fan yeah I, I texted you something about nhl network the other day and you're like i really don't care they're awful I, and i was like wow all right good to know i Jeez. used to have it's a quick sidebar i used to have nhl network on all the time mm-hmm. whenever i was younger in high school all the time because they had great people on there i think that's where Catherine tappan was before nbc scooped her up yes um they used to show really cool um, documentary stuff. The highlights stuff was great. EJ Raddick used to be way better than he is now. I don't know what happened there, but now they have Bruce Boudreaux sitting there going, yeah, I'm just waiting until I get a call from the NHL to be a coach again. <laughs> to be fair, EJ Raddick lost his Robin. I mean, Batman lost his Robin in Steve Mears when Mears came back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, they've just kind of lost all their guys. It's that... I'll end the sidebar soon, but occasionally I'll still flip it on to get just to have hockey on in the background mm-hmm. of things. But when Austin Matthews scored an absolutely sick overtime goal, I believe it was against Ottawa. I don't remember exactly, but um, or Winnipeg. It was filthy. They they played the replay maybe twenty times and maybe had two actual comments on it. It was mostly just wow, look at this play. Wow. Oh my goodness. What a play. Oh. Yeah. Commentary. That's what the NHL network is lacking. And that's kind of what NBC is starting to lack, by the way, I feel like. Well, when you have the dinosaur of Keith Jones still there. I mean, I love Sharpie. 
I, I don't want to take anything away from from Patrick Sharp, but has he gotten a short end of this stick? He really yeah. finally came into it, and all of a sudden, yoink, gone. I'm sure some of those guys will pick up jobs at the oh. other two networks, though. I'm sure yeah. Patrick Sharp will definitely probably be one of the people that are called to be a commentator on either ESPN or the Turner deal. One half of it he'll get. Put him behind the TNT desk, make him Charles, find his shack. Where's uh, Andrew Shaw? I think Andrew Shaw would be good for that, actually. <laughs> Damn, I'm filling this lineup out right now. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish it off as we always do on our Thursday episode slash Wednesday for all of you watching it live here on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. But for those of you listening back on the podcast version, it is our Thursday episode, which means we will conclude this with shoutouts and callouts. Stay tuned. What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Here we have shoutouts and callouts. And Horwat, I texted you earlier today, and there are some weeks whenever I have to really search for shoutouts and callouts. And then there are some weeks like this week where I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't even bother narrowing it down. I have three shoutouts this week. There you go. Um, just a lot of good things happen in, in hockey land. There were some bad things, though. They're all hockey-related. And then there was a bad thing that happened in Hockeyland. And if you don't mind, I would like to start with my call-out on this episode. Go right on ahead. I'm calling out the National Hockey League as a whole, which I've done several times on this show. But this time, it's for promising players loosened restrictions. Basically, the NBA model, if they receive the vaccine and then not being able to follow through. I mean, this stems from... Robin Leonard's comments, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights goaltender last week about how they were told the restrictions would be loosened. And then after they got the vaccination, certain teams got the vaccination, they said, you know what? We're not going to be able to loosen any restrictions for anybody until all teams are vaccinated due to a, quote, competitive edge issue. Now, Robin Leonard went on to, of course, cite mental health issues that are facing the players and all NHL personnel as well this season because of the difficulty of even the vaccination decision, the difficulty of being quarantined, being told that you basically have to be a hermit in your own household. And then, of course, like we said, it's tough around the country right now for people making the decision to get vaccinated just in their own right, whether or not they want to do it. And then also to be in this situation in the league where your teammates are getting it. These are the people that, you know, you love. These are people that you're going on the road. You can't even go to their hotel room. And then that being factored into the decision as well. The NHL has done a lot of good things when it comes to the pandemic. And we have given them commendations for the good things they've done. But if what Robin Leonard is saying is true, and I definitely 100% believe what he's saying is that they were shown a graph. They were shown a pamphlet of what it would be like if your team got vaccinated and then for them to rescind that because of, quote, competitive edge, that's 
not good at all, mainly because I'm not sure what competitive edge you're talking about, unless you're literally talking about the competitive edge of just mental health of being able to go to Marc-Andre Fleury's room if you're Robin Leonard on the road. Let me go over and talk to Flower. They can't do that right now. At least they're not supposed to. The Capitals just blatantly ignored that earlier in the season, but they got their due for that. But it's just when that came out, and I suggest everybody go watch the interview that he had. It was about a 10-minute clip. I was going to put it on here, but it was just very long. Definitely, yeah, go go watch that and Robin Leonard's press conference whenever he brought that up. It, it's... It's a lot, and, and it kind of gives you a look inside at what these guys are dealing with this season. It does. It's And Robin Leonard, the fact that he brought it back to mental health really added to it, I thought. I mean, it's when this whole, when the, all of the shutdowns started, um, yeah, there was obviously the scares of the virus, but then there was also all kind of scares of what's the, what is this going to do to people's mental health? And what is this going to do to the psyche of humanity i mean i think we've gotten kind of lucky that the mental health part hasn't been as hasn't been as bad as people predicted but it still has definitely had a change on people mentally and mentally mental health i mean is nothing to screw around with i think we all know this me and you especially um it's the fact that the nhl said the competitive edge part where did they pull that one from is my big question it's that's a nothing answer I mean, what, the competitive edge is that someone's arm isn't sore for a day, <laughs> two yeah. days maybe. I mean, apparently the Rangers had Johnson and Johnson. I mean, is the competitive edge that half those guys, I'm not going to take it too much further, but maybe some yeah. of those guys have repercussions from it. Like, what's the real competitive edge we're getting at here? It sucks. At the NHL, I mean, you said um, – we're calling out the NHL as we've done many times. You can't be a fan of this sport if you're not calling out the NHL on occasion. Yeah. You have to notice the wrongs. And honestly, if you care about the sport, you will hold the league accountable. And, and yeah. that's to a small extent of what we're doing. Because if something like this is actually happening, happening and you're telling players one thing and then doing another once they literally get vaccinated, that's not a small thing. They're changing their body's molecular structure. And I don't know really much about chemi- like chemistry or anything like that, but they're injecting themselves with something as a decision. And part of that decision was the fact that they might get looser restrictions. I'm not saying that players should make the decision based on all of that, but again, who am I to say in there? It's just you have to be honest through and through in this whole thing, and they have been with a lot of parts, but if they weren't for this one, that is a very big misstep. That's a big one. Yeah, it's, it sucks, and... It's good that Robin Lander is the one that came out and said it. I mean, he's already been a uh, the champion of the mental health thing in the NHL. Um, oh, my goodness. If you haven't read his Players' Tribune, his Players' Tribune, you did that on, right? Yes. If you haven't read his Players' Tribune article by now, take the time out of your day and do it. Um, yeah, he, he's a guy that you – he's the kind of guy that should be speaking up on that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The NHL has its issues, plenty of them, with certain things. Um and you just want them to do better. And well, this was one of them. I know it's another hard right, Horat, but what is your call out for this week? Glad yours was a little, not depressing, but a little different. Because <laughs> mine's kind of fun. Mine's a little little jab at, listen, I love the city of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. almost more than anything. Oh, but man, 
the Pittsburgh weather and cloud cover sometimes is gloomy. I mean, first of all, the weather is wild. I mean, I left for Florida. It was snowing. I came back, and I thought, did I leave the heat? Because it's hot here. The Pittsburgh weather and spring and fall are the two most wild things. But specifically, um, the pink moon, whatever it was supposed to be, was supposed to happen the other night. Um, granted, I got I, it, it's cool to see lunar stuff like this. It's rare in Pittsburgh you actually get to see it because clouds just don't <laughs> seem to leave the area, man. Um, yeah, I got it's not too much more. It's just Pittsburgh weather is a weird, very confusing. It makes my sinuses want to. Um, <laughs> it's just it makes my sinuses want to do things, and then uh, yeah, it's Pittsburgh has uh, Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh area has often missed um, lunar events because cloud cover. I think anyone who lives here for any amount of time knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Is there anything better than a nice sunny day in Pittsburgh without any clouds? No, it's awesome it, until three hours later and it's pouring down rain. Well, that's very true. But <laughs> or l- snowing. Is there anything better than that three-hour period when it's just sunny, no cloud cover, especially if you're at the ballpark with the over 500, or I guess they are now 500, Pittsburgh Pirates? You got to love PNC Park. On a sunny you- day? Oh. Yeah, and I'm glad you led into the Pirates because guess what my shout-out is for today and this week? Ayo. It is the 500 Pittsburgh Pirates, the Buccos, who, as we speak, are getting demolished, I think, but we don't need to talk about that. That's where they should be. They were 500 for a while. They started the season 1-6. and six. They're playing also one of the top teams in the league this year so far, so... Yeah, so I'll take it for what it is, man. The yeah. complete turnaround from starting 1-6 and six to making it to 500, bucking the trend. 12. Oh my god, I hate that. 12 and 12, I mean, considering the fact that they won, what, 19 games last season out of 60, and they already have 12 in the first month of this season, it's a step forward, especially without Key Brian Hayes playing basically any with, of the games. Without Key Brian Hayes. With, without, for what it's worth, Stephen Brault, right? I have no idea. <laughs> our, I think our number one pitcher went down too before the season, so... But yeah, hey man, the Pirates do do the doing the damn thing, kind of. Yeah, I mean more than we expected them to. Better than last year, but last year was a pretty low bar to, to surpass. I was about to say we could quickly go past twenty wins. Yeah, especially when you're playing 162 games instead of 60, it makes it a little bit easier. But do you have anything else on, on your Pittsburgh Pirates shout out or what? Uh, oh yeah, I bought I bought the show for. Uh, xbox one and boy that team's not fun to play with yeah I, not, I would i would imagine not it's not a shout out but i'm trying to make it in a career mode with that team and i'm still in double a ball but i'm just thinking damn is it actually going to be fun making it to the majors with the pirates <laughs> your team's never going to make the playoffs you're going to have to request a trade there buddy hey you know what? that's fun that's the fun of the game though isn't it exactly well i mentioned i have three shout outs so buckle up this is gonna yeah, take yeah. this is, it might take a little bit longer than normal but my first shout out goes to mike lang we didn't talk about it when we were going over the game because i wanted to give him his own little space in this show of course he stepped into the broadcast booth on tuesday for the first time in the 2021 season it was great to see him back there it was great to listen i did tune into the radio broadcast for a couple minutes of the game unfortunately it didn't line up with the video broadcast that i had and it just got annoying to that point but i I tried to listen to the radio for as long as i could he stepped in for josh getzoff who missed the 
the game due to the birth of his firstborn child with his wife Maddie. So congratulations to Josh and his wife on the their kid. He was wearing a little booties watching the game on on Getzoff's Twitter. So it was already nice to see that. But of course, the big scorer of the game was Mike Lang. Luckily, the Penguins were able to score a goal late in the game to give him a goal call because there was a, there was a threat that that wasn't going to happen. And if you read Dave Molinari from DK Pittsburgh Sports piece that came out on Wednesday afternoon or mid-morning, Sidney Crosby had a game puck and an envelope with what is probably a handwritten letter uh, delivered to Mike Lang following the game. So just a nice little touch there from the captain doing Sidney Crosby things at the end of the game, sending a game puck up to Mike Lang. And I, Mike Lang in, in that well, I'm trying to think of the word, the article, uh, he, he seemed very touched about it. So just definitely go read that. It is a free article by Dave Molinari and DK Pittsburgh Sports. Just it's, it's a small thing. Just go read some of the comments that Mike Lang made. And just congratulations to Mike Lang on getting back in the broadcast booth. We don't know how many more times we're going to get to see it. So definitely cherish every moment we get with him in the booth and on the radio. Yeah, it's I listened to some of the I listened to some of the game, too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good to hear that voice again. I mean, you've, we've been hearing it through commercials all year, hearing it through ads, yeah. but, um, I think a I gritty rec- Ford named Ranger. I say I could, I could <laughs> recite that Ford ad beginning to end, but, um, yeah, it's good to hear him calling plays again, calling games. I mean, yeah, again, might just be the one for now. Um, but I think Jesse Marshall had a great tweet that I'm going to basically summarize cause I don't remember it. Um, you don't know how many of these you're going to have left. Time is the biggest winner. And, yeah, just cherish every moment you can with what you got as much as you love them. And, you know, I know he's basically your hero all the way. And yes. we know that everyone's got their time to call it and hang it up. Uh, and for we're Penguin fans. Some of those, some of those, play, some of those things are soon. We got to really gear up and get ready for it. But, um, yeah, it's good to hear he he was back for at least a game this year. My second call out goes to a man who was styling and profiling on Sunday. And I'd like to just bring up a picture <laughs> of this absolutely tremendous suit jacket. Jason Zucker looking like a million bucks walking into PPG Paints Arena on Sunday. Just a shout out to him because I wish I could pull off a blazer like this. It is looking good and he played good as well on Sunday unable to put in a goal but he was all over the ice he was playing extremely good he had some real good opportunities and I have to think that is correlated to this look right here Horwat, can you give us the breakdown for everybody watching on our live stream right now uh, the breakdown it starts with look good feel good play good that is the mantra that is the motto of uh, Jason Zucker here, clearly. The red suit, if you're uh, listening to this, take the time, find this replay on YouTube, go to about the one hour and six minute mark. Um, yeah, the the red with the dark red stripes down, that's not even straight stripes, there's some pattern to that. Oh, yeah. And then matching the tie with the, the pocket the darker, square. Yeah, the, the, the darker stripes that, in the pocket square. And, and matching listen. that to the mask. Got to do what you got to oh, yeah. do in the pandemic. Got to look stylish. The hair up, all good. Mm-hmm. Um, Latang is having a run for his money as best dressed right now, it seems. Oh, yeah. And 
I want, I want to pull one out for my Josephay Bank days. Look at that peak lapel. That is just beautiful go. right there. Just a great look through and through for Jason Zucker. And I wanted to give him, because he's been bashed a little bit on Penguins Twitter, I wanted to give him some commendations here, some good juju heading his way, and hopefully he takes that and scores a hat trick against the Capitals on Thursday. That's exactly what I'm trying to do here. The Capitals say rock the red? Nah. Jason Zucker knows how to rock the red, and he was doing it in this picture on Sunday. But that is my second call-out. I do have one more, and my last call-out goes outside of Pittsburgh. I'd like – or not call-out, excuse me. Wow, I do that a lot. We both do. It's okay. I, I should have probably made it a little bit easier to understand this <laughs> whenever we created this back, whenever we were in a cabin in the woods last August. Ooh, if we really need to, maybe we, we can retitle it, but we'll get to that another day. At this point, just keep it. But my last shout-out – goes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jason Spezza is a consummate professional through and through, and we all know this. But he apparently led an initiative for some of the Maple Leafs to help and pay some of the lower-earning AHL Toronto Marlies players. Everybody has been affected by the COVID outbreak and by losing their jobs, being laid off from their jobs. And it, it really hit minor league hockey hard. And I know out there, not a lot of people are going to sympathize too much, but this is all a lot of people know that are minor leaguers. And for guys like the Maple Leafs who are making some of the most money in the league, you look at Matthews, Marner, Tavares, these young guys are making so much money. And with the lead of Jason Spezza, who is a Wiley veteran, somebody who has been in this league since prior to Crosby, to be completely honest, and has just kind of been prevalent to this league since he was 15 years old and coming up, it was just a really nice gesture by the big guns in Toronto. And it's not surprising to me at all that Spezza was the guy that led the initiative for this. He is a guy that has been a great professional his entire career. And to hear this story out of Toronto, I know they didn't necessarily want that to get out, but it did get out some way. And that, that's how some of these things happen. Uh, not always looking for the commendations, but they get it anyway. But it's just something that I think is a really good thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs to do, especially because, you know, the Toronto Marlies, they play in Toronto. It's not a cheap place to live. And whenever, even though you can't get made whole, it, it can help pay the bills a little bit more. Yeah, it's, uh, the pandemic has not been easy on anyone from professional athletes down to the regular, down to the not regular people, but down to the hardworking blue collar, white collar workers of the everyday lives. Um, everyone's lost money in a way. Yeah. And, you know, we think of professional hockey players and we figure, we just always assume, like, yeah, yeah, they have a pretty good paycheck. Outside the NHL, that's not true at all. The ECHL guys especially, I believe, have to almost all of them work second jobs. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that. I just, I don't know, but their salaries are not that high. They definitely AHL, used to. Yeah. AHL, same situation, man. It's... It's hard. It's especially whenever I think the AHL was pay, pay, paid based on um, percentage of games played as well. I hmm. think they had to adjust um, salaries. So, yeah, it's good that um, someone decided to step up and start an, start an initiative to do this kind of thing and you know leave it to a veteran Spezza to do that. That's good on him. Um, look into the story more. I know I heard of it. I know I kind of listened to a little bit of it on the Steve Dangle podcast. I don't know the whole story as well, but um, yeah, basically everyone's been affected by this pandemic and it's good to see 
person 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 helping person in a, in a sort of situation like this it's always good and you know that's what you do for your teammates right it's what you got to do for your teammates well Horwat, that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg before we go i do want to get your prediction actually the penguins have two games before our next episode and they're both against the washington capitals so what do they do against the washington capitals do they sweep them do they get swept or do they split the series? Any overtimes involved? What What do you think is going to happen over these next two games? Hmm, that's hard because I don't know how the Capitals have been playing. I, I believe this is the fight for first place, though. Basically. It is. The Capitals are coming off of three straight wins over the New York Islanders. Hmm. Well, okay. Um, I'm gonna go one and one. I'm gonna I'm gonna aim low and I'm gonna hope low, aim low and swing low, sweet chariot. Yeah, and then just have a better outcome happen. That'd be nice. So, yeah, I'm going to go one and one. Yeah, a clean one and one, not a overtime loss. We're going to split, clean split, mm -hmm. move on. I agree it's going to be a clean split, but I think that to get a little bit more specific, I think the Penguins win on Thursday evening, and Ooh. I think the Rangers also lose to the Islanders Thursday evening. I think when we wake up Friday morning, the Penguins will have a little X next to their name as they sit in first place in the East Division clinching their 15th straight postseason appearance. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We thank everybody who tuned in live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We thank everybody that tuned in on the podcast version, and we will see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.